So, Dale, I don't know how much you know about therapy, but it usually starts by you telling me a little something about yourself. I thought there'd be couches and Kleenex and shit. Look at me, son. It's not your fault. Do you want to talk about some of those feelings? I love you. Obviously, you don't know me. So how's this supposed to work? You sit, I sit, we talk. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam. And I'm Dr. Fran. Welcome to Freudian Scripts. The podcast where you put your favorite TV shows and movies on the hypothetical couch to take a deeper dive into the way psychology is portrayed. We analyze the way therapy looks in entertainment, discuss the way psychological diagnoses are portrayed, and break down other psychological themes seen on our screens. As a reminder, Freudian Scripts is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your mental health professional with any questions and seek care if needed. Content clips in today's episode will contain explicit language and mature and adult themes. Welcome to a very special, as promised, <laughs> booster session on The Flight Attendants Season 2. As a reminder, a booster session in therapy refers to a session that someone has after therapy has ended, where they kind of come back to reinforce progress or things that they've learned. Um, so for our booster sessions, we'll be following up on previous TV shows and movies to discuss things that maybe we weren't able to cover in previous sessions. So we're super excited to bring Flight Attendant back today for a booster session. Yes, given the excitement both ours and our Freudian scripters listeners related to the first session on Flight Attendant, we're putting season two on our couch. So please, if you haven't already had the chance, check out our recent full session on the show on HBO's Flight Attendant. Today, we're not going to go as in-depth as we did for season one, but we want to take a look at some of the changes that Cassie may or may not be making and some of the treatment that she engages in. Um, As you may remember, when we were talking about Flight Attendant season one, there were different topics or different things we alluded to that happened in season two that we wanted to take a look at. So we're putting that on the couch today. Um, And if you haven't listened to our first session on Flight Attendant or you haven't seen the show, um, just as a reminder, Flight attendant is a tv show about a crime solving flight attendant named cassie (laughs) and actually you know a smart uh narrative technique the very first scene of season two we basically hear (laughs) cassie kind of catch us up on what's happened over the last almost year since um the uh, first season so let's actually hear cassie tell us what has happened since we saw her last season perfect hi i'm cassie and i'm an alcoholic most of you know my story by now um, since I quit drinking, I've been making changes. I moved to LA. Started dating this great guy, Marco. Picked up a part-time job. But I'm still flying. I'm, I'm still a flight attendant. But I feel like I'm turning into this whole other person, like in a really good way, you know? And I know what they say about moving too fast, you know, no big life changes in the first year, but I'm two days away from being a year sober. Really excited. And I know one day at a time and all, but I gotta tell you, just my life and everything, it just all feels pretty great. So as we just heard Cassie explain and kind of over on season two, we find out that Cassie is now actually a CIA informant. So as you may remember, yeah, obviously, because she successfully, the CIA, no one else was able to find the killer in season one, but she did. So now she's working kind of with the CIA as an informant. 
We also learn um, that surprisingly, after watching season one, that she's actually about to celebrate one year of sobriety. So as we discussed, you know, Cassie um, does meet the criteria for a substance use disorder, in particular drinking alcohol. Um, but as we heard and as we learned throughout the season, she has been seeking treatment for her alcohol use. And she's been attending Alcoholic Anonymous, or AA as they call it for short, meetings. Um as a quick just kind of note, as you remember, Dr. Fran and I, we discussed when we talked about some of the language that used to be used previously when talking about substance use disorders or alcohol use disorders, people would refer to alcoholic or alcoholism. Um, we typically like to use person-centered language, so saying like, you know, person with substance use disorder versus alcoholic. However, you've also heard us talk about in the podcast in the past, we always defer to the language that an individual feels most comfortable with or how they best identify. So when we are using the term alcoholic today, that is because the treatment alcoholic anonymous, that is the preferred term that they use related to that treatment uh, modality. And also, you know, in the show, Cassie and some of the other characters you hear will identify as alcoholic. So again, you you know, we try to use the person-centered type language. It wouldn't be what we, um, you know, defer to first, but we do defer to it when that is the the chosen or the language that someone else is comfortable with. So we just want to let you know, since you will be hearing us use that language today. Yeah, I think that that's a good disclaimer or just kind of orientation there. And I think it's our big a big complaint we had of the first season of Flight Attendant is that we don't see any treatment portrayed, and Cassie kind of like yes. spontaneously is like, "I want to change my life, and I'm just not going to drink anymore." And we're like, "Okay, how well is that going to go?" So it's nice to see that actually in season two she has, you know, had this long period of sobriety, which we'll talk a little bit about how accurate that is later. Um, but yes. we do see that she's been actively seeking treatment and support through Alcoholics Anonymous or AA. And we get a really nice opportunity through this episode to actually talk about how accurate the portrayal is and like what AA is. I think it's something that a lot of people know of and have heard about, but maybe have a misconception about what the AA process looks like and how it can be helpful probably for the same reasons as a lot of other mental health treatment that we just get very small snippets of it in media and TV. Exactly. And Dr. Fran are always a fan of when treatment is shown, and especially when treatment is shown in a more realistic manner and in a manner that is helpful to the individual. As a quick reminder from the first session, so while alcohol use disorders are common, um, psychological disorders or diagnoses that are experienced by Americans, only 10% of those individuals receive treatment. And that was like in a study done like in 2014. Um, and the most popular treatment forms are some form of what's called like 12-step involvement. So some following of like 12 steps or 12 procedures to help someone, you know, reach their goals. So we are really like happy to see that Cassie's engaged in treatment and we're going to use that as a lens to kind of learn more about it and we'll kind of talk about what the treatment really looks like, how we see it in the show, how it works for Cassie and so on. Yeah, and I, I think again, like with thinking about the media portrayal of AA, a lot of us have heard about it. And mm -hmm. typically, the way you see that portrayed is actually similar to what we hear in that opening scene of like, hi, I'm Cassie, and I'm an alcoholic, that there's this like meeting yes. component, which can be a element of the 12 step program or of Alcoholics Anonymous of these like mutual self help groups. But it's typically much more than that. And typically, there's also like we do see Cassie has a sponsor, which I think is something that we typically mm -hmm. do see and portrayed in the media. But engaging in this more formal like 12 step program is something we see a little bit of in the show, um, but it's like a very core principle of this being an effective treatment. 
Yes. And so when we kind of take a step back to learn a little bit more of like we've seen AA, as Dr. Brand mentioned, more in like the media and TV shows, movies, you know, usually we do get it in time in like kind of a snippet. You may even know individuals who have participated in AA. But really, what is AA? So if you look at their website, it's it's self-described as a fellowship of people who come together to solve their drinking problem. And really, this is accomplished, as we've been, you know, mentioning um, through 12 steps, which are, you know, a set of like spiritual principles and kind of goals and steps to take to achieve this goal of solving the drinking problem. Um, and there's also 12 traditions that the group, so when they go to Alcoholic Anonymous or AA meetings, when they go, the particular group that they're working with and kind of AA more broadly also follows what's called the 12 traditions that help them to stay unified and connected related to their goal. Yeah, and, and we talked a little bit about um, Dr. Sam and I before preparing this episode of even just like the evolution of AA and how traditionally it was developed and was a little bit more like religious focused and um, like Christian focused, um, but has kind of like adapted a bit to be more broad. And, and Dr. Sam used the term like spiritual so that that can be like much, much more broadly interpreted so that this can fit with a lot of different people regardless of their religious or spiritual backgrounds. Hopefully being more inclusive, exactly. People can come and participate in this treatment, which is especially important because when Dr. Fran and I were looking through the literature on, you know, how effective or helpful or useful um, is AA, we actually found several recent um, review papers or kind of papers that are looking at like how well interventions work related to looking at AA or other 12-step facilitation type interventions. Um, And we found that they perform as well as other treatments. So, you know, kind of like CBT, which you've heard us talk about in the past, they perform as well as CBT and other treatments on all outcomes. And then for abstinence, so refraining from alcohol use, it actually, people that engage in AA actually outperform other treatments. So they're reporting um, more abstinence than people in other treatments. So we think it's really important that people have access to this treatment and we can kind of provide a little bit more information because this is a treatment that is effective. And we do see in the research that it is helpful for people in reducing their alcohol intake. So I think that's a really good overview and something to keep in mind about the context of what we're talking about and what we're seeing in the show as Cassie goes through this process of AA. We heard a little bit of kind of introduction to her, like introducing herself in the AA group. And we also hear this little extra piece of this clip where um, someone is kind of calling her out for having this quote pink cloud um, and this idea that she is kind of naive and thinking that like everything's going to be fine and everything's better. I remember early in my recovery, that fucking pink cloud where I was kind of just stupidly naive and thought everything was pretty great. What's that there, Ted? Uh, no crosstalk, Cassie. And of course, in true like HBO show fashion, we find out it's not totally <laughs> fine and everything's not going to turn out great because of course there's another crime and murder to solve. Um, yes. But we do kind of get a sense and, and kind of follow Cassie a bit through her journey of like navigating this like very stressful, intense situation while also trying to manage her sobriety. And of course, they up the stakes. So in season two, not only is there a crime, but the murderer is impersonating Cassie and like sending her like cryptic messages. And so she's on this like scavenger hunt of murder. So just like Dr. Fran mentioned, she's having to try to solve this really intense case. Um, She's navigating her sobriety and going to AA. Um, And in the beginning, she painted this picture of like she started a relationship. She's about to be one year sober. She started this new job. She's juggling it all like fantastically. And what we also know related to people who do have substance use disorders, that one thing that is important is being able to, you know, cope with or manage uh, stress 
stressors. And so Cassie is obviously undergoing a lot of stress. Um, and so we really see her navigating and balancing all of that stress and trying to go through the 12 steps of AA. I think one piece of this, as we've already alluded to a few times, is that Cassie is celebrating her one-year sobriety. Yeah. Um, so let's actually take a quick listen to when how she talks about this year. I can't believe it's been a year. Wow, I did not think that would happen. I, do, I just want to thank a couple of people that helped me this past year. Um, my brother, who's the one crying. Uh, no, seriously, thank you. You're like the best brother in the world, so thanks for being here for me. Um, my sponsor, Brenda, you're the best ever. Thank you for everything. And um, lastly, when I first started trying to get sober, I was like trying to prove it was like this new me. And I met this like amazing Marco. And I'm just so glad that I took that chance with you. So thank you. Mm. Well, that was fucking beautiful. No, 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 no. I don't want to be here. This is an important moment for me, okay? I earned that chip. Ugh, the self-indulgent blah, blah. Thanks for your support crap again. It's such a farce. No, it's not. Okay, 365 consecutive days of sobriety. Right. I'm just so grateful for these donuts. Yeah, well, I'm grateful to be alive and to not be you anymore. So there's that. Wow. Real nice. Kid, we always knew you were a liar, but you know you're going to grow up and be this boring? I mean, not really. Sorry. Keep it up. Uh, One day at a time. Yeah, thank you. So there we're seeing on the surface Cassie speaking to her AA group and she's, you know, giving a lot of like um, kind of praise and just talking about the support that she has in her brother, her partner, her sponsor, which is actually really nice to hear. I'm really glad that she has like a supportive group around her helping her, Mm -hmm. you know, achieve these goals of her and potentially this milestone. However, we then get, and you you didn't get to see this, but you heard it, it breaks away um, to where Cassie's actually talking to her past self. So kind of more of the self from like season one. Um, and you may remember in season one, she would often kind of, it would cut to scenes where she was talking to the man that she had found murdered. And so now in season two, since she's kind of resolved that case and moved on in typical HBO fashion, it, she now kind of goes into her head and sees scenes with, past versions of herself but this kind of gives us the idea that while she's saying everything is good going well on the surface there is some kind of inner turmoil and definitely a disconnect between what she's presenting and how she's maybe actually feeling yeah i think that's a a good reflection like dr sam mentioned of like these two sides right and and not even just the people internally that she's speaking with are not just past versions it's also like we learn later, like there's different versions. That's like the one that she wants, like the good one that she wants to be. It's almost like yeah. an angel and devil on your shoulder kind of um, like metaphor. True. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all these different internal versions of herself, which we'll talk a bit more about that piece, but kind of shifting back to focus on kind of like her recovery and, and her um, sobriety. We get a sense here of that, like she's feeling like she's really doing well and connected with her sponsor and that like she's very supported by her brother, who she had a pretty tumultuous relationship with in season one and has this significant other. So she seems to be doing well on the surface. 
And we do really see, I will give Cassie credit for her commitment to the program. So, you know, throughout the season, she's going to her meetings. She's reaching out to her sponsor. At one point when she's chasing down the killer, she's actually in Iceland and kind of starts to fill this pool. Like, you know, she's in the hotel room. She sees alcohol. She's at a restaurant. They hand her a shot. She's finding it difficult to refrain from drinking. And so she goes to a meeting even in Iceland. So we're seeing her really try and kind of put forth that effort. It seems like she's really committed to the meetings. I think one of the things we really want to talk about, too, is like the different steps that she takes and like how that really reflects with what we would expect for someone engaging in AA. A big piece of the 12 steps is related to making amends. So for step eight, this is really about a list of um, the person who's in AA. So Cassie, in this example, makes a list of all the people that she's harmed in the past um, and then, you know, kind of commits to a willingness to make amends to them. And so I think we definitely, Dr. Fran, you just kind of, mention like the relationship with the brother that seems to be a big person that she has you know been working towards um you know kind of recognizing that she hurt him and making amends with uh amends towards him um we also will talk a little bit more but also with her parents so her mother and her father are two of the main people that we really see this kind of play out with as well Yeah, and at the end of the scene that we had just listened to, her sponsor actually asks her about how the letter to her dad is going. And we know from the first season that her dad has passed away um, and that this seems to be some kind of exercise potentially in making amends or processing the relationship with her dad. Um, And eventually, a little bit later in the season, we actually hear Cassie read this letter. Her and her brother fly out to where they grew up um, back on the East Coast and have this like whole trip plan to like have her basically go make amends or like kind of confront or write this, read this letter to dad at his grave. And then the plan is to go clean out mom's house um, to kind of help her out. And we learn a lot about Cassie's relationship with her mom and that they are not close. They don't really speak. Cassie has the impression that she blames her for everything that happened with dad. And it's a very complicated relationship, which we can get into in a second, but let's take a listen to how reading this letter to dad goes. Dad. He taught me how to make eggs and uh, how to start a campfire and how to hunt. You were fun and funny. You were my best friend in the whole world. You were also an alcoholic. You introduced me to drinking and it made me feel so special. And he died. And all I had left of you was the alcohol. That's the only part I had to remember you. So here I am as an adult. An alcoholic adult. Reading a letter in a fucking graveyard. Your little girl turned out just like you. And I hate that. I hate it. You kept going back to drinking. And so I do too. It makes me hate myself. I forgive you for hurting me. Forgive you for hurting Davy. And I forgive you for hurting mom. But I love you. 
but I will not be you. I will not be you. Goodbye. I think that this is a really powerful scene just in the series overall. Uh, Dr. Fran and I talked a lot more in depth about Cassie and her father's relationship in the first session related to flight attendant. Um, But, you know, it's very complex in that her father was someone that she was really close to, but as she read in the letter also was someone that she, you know, uh, would drink with and then father died very tragically in a car accident in which alcohol was involved and Cassie was present for and really felt a lot of blame related to his death because she felt like she was the one that would motivate her father to drink when, of course, she was a child and that was not the situation. So I think that this is a really nice scene in in which we get to hear her, like, you know, she's kind of come to terms with better understanding maybe some of the complexities of that relationship with her father, acknowledging them, um, and then, like, sharing them, but also forgiving him. Um, So I thought it was a nice scene and really a good example of that kind of, like, taking that step to make amends and kind of move forward with that relationship, even though dad is dead. Yeah, I think uh, well said, Dr. Sam, and it it definitely captures that very complex relationship of like, she both loves him and he was her best friend, like she says, and she blames him and is, you know, upset with him for the way that things happened and turned out with her family and and for the harm that he caused. Um, And at the same time, for her to be able to move on, she wants to be able to forgive him and forgive herself a bit for some of the things that she felt that she played a part in. I think it's it's a very touching scene and shows a lot of the growth because Cassie in season one was very much like, I don't want to think about this. I don't want to talk about it. Like push this far away and, you know, ignore it. And we see here that she is able to deal with these pretty intense, difficult, sad, emotions surrounding the death of her dad and the loss of her dad and also the very complex relationship that they had. Yes, exactly. And I think, you know, poor Cassie, um, you know, for various situations that have really occurred, like, through the whole span of her lifetime, but she has a lot of very complex relationships with her family, you know, and a lot of it is related to drinking, you know, like the complex relationship with her brother also had to do, I think, with her relationship with dad. Um But then related, she has a very, I think Dr. Fran mentioned, like, strained relationship with mom. Almost, like, to the point of being estranged. Like, we don't really hear a lot about mom. Um, And when her and Davey are going, uh, in fact, to read the letter to dad, Cassie has kind of made sure, like, mom wouldn't be there. Um, But actually, Davey kind of surprises uh, Cassie in a kind of negative way um, and has kind of planned for mom and Cassie to also interact because he thinks it would be helpful for Cassie on this journey of forgiveness of also talking to mom. Um, That one, however, does not go as well, at least initially, just because of how fraught their relationship is. I am sorry for being a shitty daughter. How about that? Especially after dad died. It was terrible. I was in dysfunctional alcoholic teenager and um i'm the one that stole money from your purse i'm the one that did that not my friends i did that i know you knew that you knew that she knew that okay fuck all right good um taking responsibility for my life and my actions is a big part of my journey now so um mom i'm so sorry that i was a sad angry kid I should have been nicer to you. I should have been kinder. I'm sorry. Okay. 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 That's it? Well, is that it? Because if that is it, I don't really think that we are addressing the issue there. 
Okay, well, if you're not going to accept my apology, how are we ever going to move on with our lives? Your apology? Yeah. For being a kid in a fucked up household. Nobody's mad at you for what you did when you were little. Your father died. Nobody knew what to do. I could have been better. Nobody's mad at anybody for what you did when you were little. Okay. It's what you do when you're an adult that matters. All right? You convinced me to come and see you in the city. So I came. And you forgot about me. I didn't know where you were. I didn't know if you're passed out in an alley or if you were dead. I spent those days with your doorman. Then you came here, turned on the burner, passed out in the living room and nearly burned my house down. Okay. Then you go out and you get a DUI. Stop. After your father Stop. kills himself Stop by talking. being drunk. Stop talking. Skunk. I don't want to hear. Just, I don't. You don't want. I, I don't. You don't want to remember. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to hear about it. Why? Because you're just like your father. He's sorry. He was always sorry. You think an apology is just going to wax it all away. I am exhausted. Just cut to the chase here, okay? Cassie. Cassie. When was your last drink? Whoa. It's a tough scene to watch, yeah. I think because it starts off rough and it just gets worse, right? Like, we do see a difference. And and granted, Cassie wasn't prepared. When she took the letter to Dad, that was like her goal, her intent. She was very prepared for that. The situation with mom was definitely a surprise. Um, But her apology does seem a little like lackluster at first. But I feel like as the conversation goes, she more and more actually becomes more vulnerable, expresses more of her emotions and explains more of the situation, you know, from her perspective. Um, However, mom, you know, as uh, as unready as Cassie is to apologize to mom, mom is just as ill prepared to accept, I think, an apology and kind of hear the things that Cassie is sharing. And, you know, I imagine this can come up quite a lot in this step of AA that like going to make amends and going to apologize and take responsibility, family members or friends that have been hurt aren't always ready for that. And that is likely something that like in some situations people may have to accept and deal with like I have done my part to like take responsibility and maybe this family member or friend is never going to get to a place where they want to have a relationship with me or forgive me. Um, and that's not something that they have people have control over, right, of how someone else responds. Um, I think. It's also, there's like a, a moment that's touching where mom essentially says like, I'm not upset at you for what you did when you were a kid, but then it quickly turns into like, but I am upset at you for all the things that you did when you're an adult. Um, and it's just a very a difficult scene to watch because you can see that Cassie is very hurt by the things that her mom is saying and that mom is very angry and, and that there was this maybe an opportunity to make amends that unfortunately just gets exacerbated and it might actually make the relationship worse than it was before. Yes, it ends with mom saying, I don't like you, which I imagine is very difficult. And, you know, Cassie has just expressed that she's always felt like a disappointment and like she couldn't really be enough for mom. And this is kind of reinforced. As we talked about in session one, too, Cassie does tend to use avoidance, right? So definitely this relationship with mom is something that she has avoided. And now it's just like they've come like full head on. I think you also touched on something really important, Dr. Fran, about, you know, the family members maybe not being ready because of like the difficulties that, you know, they've had. Um, 
with the person who, you know, does have substance use disorder or like, you know, in this case, Cassie. And I think part of the thing too, like in reading the literature is often individuals, once they go to AA or once they're seeking treatment, it is because they have tried to stop before potentially, right? They have tried to stop drinking before and it has been too difficult or there have been barriers. And so sometimes family members can become a bit desensitized to that, you know, like we hear with mom when she's asking like, when was your last drink? Or she doesn't really have faith or trust that Cassie will continue to stop drinking. And that's really a big part of why treatment can be helpful. It's called relapse prevention. um, But really, this is just the part, you know, the this is a piece of treatment where they're trying to prevent someone from continuing to relapse or go back to using alcohol. Um, Or if they do have a relapse and go back to drinking, how to get back on track with like abstinence or reaching their goals. And so I think that that's part of this piece of like, you know, something that Cassie is seeking by going to treatment, going to AA, something that will hopefully be helpful for her, and also part of the thing that's making it difficult for mom because she may have seen Cassie get stuck in this cycle before of saying that she's quit or she stopped. Um, She also probably saw it with her late husband, right? So I think that that's part of the tension there. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that we learn here is that by mom asking her about when you had your last drink, we also learn, and if you've watched the season, you know this, that Cassie does have a period where she does end up drinking again while she's dealing with all the stress and and fear and emotions that come up around um, the murder and trying to solve it and being framed. Um, So she does have a relapse. And we also learn that actually in the one year of sobriety, she actually has had two other instances where she has drank and, and that she's been kind of avoiding um, kind of confronting that and dealing with it and not really told anyone. There's also a really interesting scene where Cassie's talking to her sponsor and her sponsor asks about how she's doing and, you know, is like, are you really okay? Um, and she describes like dealing with sobriety and, and this, this relapse prevention piece um, in these very like interesting ways of kind of like describing how she's dealing with that. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Thank you. I'm really, I'm really, really, really good. Okay. So. Your vibe is very manic, so I'm not going to accept that answer. Let's try this again. How are you doing, Cassie? Well, I'm um, trying to be a hero, and I'm holding on so tight that my hands are burning. And I would really like a drink, but I didn't have a drink, so yay me. And um, yeah, I feel like I'm maybe one little tiny accent away from a complete collapse. This whole sobriety thing, it's never not hard. Should it feel like like walking a tightrope above a pit of broken glass that I'm about to like completely fall into? Only sometimes. Only sometimes. Mm. I think that's an interesting way, you know, how Cassie's describing, like, you know, trying to, it's just like she's trying to keep it all together, right? And it's becoming difficult. At one point, she also talks about how sobriety feels like walking a tightrope over a pit of glass, which I think is a very visual way to kind of see what Cassie's feeling with and what she's struggling. And also such a isolating experience because of her difficulties. You know, when she had the relapses, she talks about like two instances in which she did drink, but then kind of went back to AA and like stopped again. But she really felt like she couldn't be honest about that because she was putting forth this front everything was good everything was going well and she also felt ashamed right that she hadn't been able to continue on that path so as Dr. Fran mentioned we also see her uh, relapse at the end of this season and her sponsor um, and Cassie have this like you know nice talk on the beach where the sponsor kind of relates to yes it's difficult and if you relapse this is kind of what happens and Cassie also comes forward and tells her that this wasn't the first time. So now I'm just back at square one. 
Jesse. The point is, you never left square one. You built your recovery on a house of cards. And it fell over. That's what a house of cards does. And until you take that first step and admit that you're powerless over the dark parts of yourself, you just keep knocking down cards. It brings up this other theme that is pretty common in AA of powerlessness. So actually the first step is accepting that we're powerless over alcohol and that lives have become unmanageable as a result. And so that's part of what the sponsor is talking about is that like she needs to accept that she is somewhat powerless over, um, you know, her impulses and her urges to um, engage in substance use. And this also comes up in kind of like a dreamscape moment with not real mom, but kind of like, you know, the mom that uh, Cassie is envisioning in her mind very late in the season. And mom kind of says this uh, something similar about, you know, she's really trying, she's powerless in trying to control mom and in trying to control drinking. Um, so again, this, this aspect of like accepting the powerlessness comes up again. You can't control how I feel, Cassie, no matter how much you want to. You're powerless to make me forgive you, Cassie. You're powerless when someone puts a drink in your hand. You're powerless to pull yourself together. The hell, you're powerless to get off this Ferris wheel. Honey, you can't do anything but accept it. Yes, and that talk with mom in the dreamscape goes a lot more positive than the talk that we heard earlier. But what it does do, I think, is kind of give uh, Cassie some more clarity about like what she's feeling and experiencing and then what she does want to share with mom. So, you know, we won't go into this in depth, but at the end of the season, she does reach back out to mom and they kind of reach this mutual understanding of better hearing each other, understanding each other and like, wanting to move forward, um, which I think will be a positive influence on Cassie's kind of just like uh, recovery and engagement in AA like overall, which is nice. Um, and we see that even after Cassie does have this relapse and talks to her sponsor, you know, she's ready and willing and still kind of continues on with AA, which is, you know, ultimately the the most positive outcome and kind of way forward for her. Because even though she's had some difficult pockets, it's really helped improve things overall for her. I think we would be remiss if we didn't at least briefly talk about the like dissociation, which we had talked about in season one um, that Dr. Sam had alluded to kind of is, is still occurring here in season two in a slightly different way. So Cassie keeps having these moments where she's actually going back into this like hotel or lobby area, but she's not seeing dead people anymore. She's seeing different versions of herself. Um, and I've seen a lot of like articles and, and, you know, things on social media, people wondering if she might have, dissociative identity disorder or multiple personality disorder, as it was formally called. Um, and we want to be very clear that that is not likely, that's very unlikely that that's actually what's happening here. Yes. <laughs> I think you've heard us talk about this in separate sessions. You know, that's actually very rare. There'd be certain things that we would look for, and we'll cover that definitely in future sessions as well. But as it pertains here, you know, we're not really seeing it like in the sense of like during her everyday life and kind of having splitting or showing different personalities or aspects of herself. This is really like we talked about in season one, where she's kind of internally withdrawing to this place to kind of have this like internal dialogue. Um, I also think it's just like a creative uh, narrative piece for the show um <laughs> and you know it does help her think through things right she kind of comes to conclusions she kind of like shares her emotions we see towards the end also she kind of 
uh, in this very creative scene where they're like kind of going um, like up the elevator and I think it kind of culminates with like the conversation with mom but she kind of brings all of herself like together in a more like cohesive picture as opposed to the way they've all been kind of like separate and kind of fighting each other um so we really do see this more as a continuation of that internal dialogue and kind of more of what we're seeing in season one as opposed to something more like disassociative identity disorder yeah and actually the scene you're talking about is actually when um she has the confrontation with the girl who's obsessed in dating um the 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 villain from season one it reminded me a little bit of the scene from woman in the window where like in the face of this like really scary like killer who's being confronted like someone has this like a epiphany of like, oh, wait, let me integrate all my internal pieces together. And like, I'm going to accept myself. Like it happens in this very like intense, emotional, like scary moment. And then she's like, oh, now I'm better. Um, so I don't know what it is about Hollywood that like (laughs) this has to happen during these like very scary, intense, like scenes where people are about to get murdered. I don't know the evidence on um, what research says about whether that's when it happens, but um, it's kind of like fright or flight, but in the Hollywood sense, it's more like you're about to die. So you get all of the clarity in the world right. and then do the one thing that you have to do to save yourself, right. which is maybe not the most accurate portrayal, um, but it does work for Cassie and spoiler alert. She does once again, save the day, solve the crime. Uh, it is a very intense season, though, I feel like, because there's a lot of, like, crimes that take place over the way, over the time, because she is being framed and there's this whole kind of conspiracy involved. Um, but she saves the day yet again and continues with AA, so that's good. Yeah. Do we know if there's going to be a third season? I actually don't know. I'm not sure. We'll have to see. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we'll bring her back again. I mean, like, what? Like, it's like one of those things where it's like, how many more crimes can she be involved in? Or like, you know, like webs of conspiracy and like, you know, it's just, yeah. How many times can this happen? But I'm sure they'll figure out a way. Yeah. Endless. She works for the CIA. So now, you know, it's just like going to continue forever. Um, But maybe, you know, the treatment will be successful or maybe there'll be other concepts that come up. Who knows? I also do want to make a plug for another show that hopefully we'll put on the couch one day. But Single Drunk Female is another show that I feel like uh, is a more realistic portrayal of someone who has alcohol use disorder and who is engaged in treatment in very early stages of treatment. Um, So if this is a topic that was of interest to you, um, Single Drunk Female is more of a comedy. So you kind of have that levity as well. But it's also another good kind of relatable and related show. Yeah, I think this is a really nice opportunity to put on the couch to really talk a little bit more about AA. I think similar to other treatments, it's often like very condensed and only like boiled down to like going to a meeting and saying, hi, I'm so-and-so and and I'm an alcoholic. And it's much more complex than that. And I think for what it shows, this show does a nice job of trying to capture like the different elements and the things that might actually help someone, um, you know, prevent relapse and, and stay in treatment and get the support they need. So I think that was a nice opportunity to be able to cover that today. Very true. And it's not like we just see Cassie go to one meeting, right? I really like how they kind of show it again and again, even when she's in different settings, which I think would be realistic, you know, um, like oftentimes people who are going to AA, like if they travel, if they're doing different things, they're going to different meetings, right? And so I did like that aspect of it. And I think we do see kind of like, you know, we don't see all 12 steps, obviously, but we see some of the steps and Cassie uh, participating in that. So I agree. It was nice to kind of see more of that. And Nice to see, I think, in the overall story arc of flight attendants, someone who had substance use disorder, realized it was a problem, you know, was concerned about it, and then sought treatment. So that is a really nice kind of trajectory. Yeah. And and just showing that it's, like, not always linear, that 
recovery or um, treatment is not always like a perfect, like, okay, I committed to it and now things are just going to progressively get better from here, but there are going to be challenges and there are ways to deal with those and use the support system and, and the different um, important pieces there to be able to manage that when it does come up. Very true. I also, I agree. And I think that that's really a nice um, message from it as well. Well, Thank you so much for joining us on this booster session. We know we had like promised it again and again, so we wanted to make sure to deliver and deliver promptly. We hope you enjoyed it and please join us for our next session. Don't forget to check out our website for resources and new terms that we discussed today and find and follow us on social media at Freud Scripts Pop. Let us know your thoughts on season two of Flight Attendant or even the first season of our Flight Attendant in that session. Any questions you might have about psychology and we're always really interested in learning what movies and TV shows you want us to put on the couch next. As always, please subscribe, rate, and review. Time's up. See you next session. We'd like to thank our producer, Brandon. Creative director, Eric. And webmaster, Don.